welcome to On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse, a podcast taking you to the front lines and behind the scenes of our work around the world. I'm your host, Christy Graham, and that is typically what we do on these episodes. We, we take you around the world and behind the scenes of what God is doing in and through Samaritan's Purse. Uh, but one of the things I especially love about my job is that I get to talk to our staff and our volunteers, and I just love their obedience and their surrender to the Lord. And so every now and then, we like to share a full interview so that you can hear the hearts of our staff. And so today, I want to share a conversation that I had with Luther Harrison, the vice president of North American Ministries. We talked a while back, and he shared how he came to Samaritan's Purse and how he's watched it grow over the years. And I always think it's important to look back and to see what God has done. And, and by seeing his faithfulness allows us to step out in obedience in the future. And so that's what Luther does. He talks about how he came and how he's watched it grow. Luther was born and raised in Boone, North Carolina, where the international headquarters are. And so he had touches and ties to Samaritan's Purse throughout his life. But he was called into the law enforcement, and he served with the Boone Police Department for 14 years. And after 14 years, the Lord just impressed on his heart to leave and to step out in faith. And so he did. He came to Samaritan's Purse as an associate. And I love the way that he was just obedient and willing to do whatever was needed. He, he was weeding and snowblowing, doing inventory, truly anything that was needed within the ministry. And he talked about how the staff was small. It was about 88 people serving with Samaritan's Purse at that time. And North American Ministries wasn't even in existence. And so we start the conversation talking about how God um, created North American Ministries, how, he, how they saw that there was a need, and how he was able to step into that calling. I remember Carl Frank was in projects with Ken Isaacs, and there were two other guys, Barry Hall and Don Norrington, that worked under Kenny. And basically, the three of them covered the world and all the project activity. And Carl left, so I went and talked to Kenny. I said, you know, I think I'd like to get involved in disaster relief and projects and so forth. So I became the project administrator for Latin America, U.S. Mm -hmm. and Latin America. So um, our program started growing. I remember uh, Hurricane Fran hit Burgall, North Carolina. We did not have a disaster relief volunteer group then, but... Uh, several of us uh, went down to Burgall, and we started helping. We started bringing people in to help people clean their homes. And that really, at that time, birthed the idea mm -hmm. of building a tractor trailer full of tools with our office in it that we could bring and equip for people because everyone was showing up, and no one had the tools needed to do the work properly. So we went to work. We built a trailer, put it together. And in 1998, it was October, we were sent to Victoria, Texas. Here, the trailer's sitting there, all the tools in it are brand spanking new, and the verdict was given, go get it dirty. And it's a flood where it's a lot of muck and a lot of uh, silt down in te Victoria, Texas. We went down, and Ruben Guerrera, who was one of the evangelists that went out and did a lot of work for Samaritan's Purse down in Nicaragua and Central America, he brought his church and um, my church at Greenway Baptist, they felt guilty because I was there. So they sent a team down to Victoria as well. That was the part of the 50 volunteers we had that first year. Wow. So they came down, and it just really reinforced going to someone's door, mm -hmm. knocking on the door, and saying, how can we help you? 
Mm-hmm. And it just has grown from 50 to last year, there were over 18,600 volunteers that went out. Wow. But wow. how do you measure the effectiveness? So in 2016, we started looking at, are we being effective in sharing the gospel? Mm-hmm. And from that point on, uh, we started sort of keeping track of those people that we knew made a decision for Christ. And, you know, it's like last year there were 3,600 decisions through the disasters we went to. And you look back, Franklin Graham can go stand in the pulpits and preach to the thousands, but he has always dictated, but we're going to go reach that one person standing mm-hmm. in their yard that has mm-hmm. a time of need. Mm-hmm. And that's the platform of what we do. And I just uh, appreciate all that Franklin has done through the years uh, as we have grown from one tractor trailer to eight tractor trailers uh, and disaster relief trucks, three in Canada, one in Australia. It's like the quality of our work just continues to expand. And as God just continues to show us favor, I feel it's because we're being true and faithful to what God has called us to do. Not only the physical needs that we meet, but most importantly, the spiritual needs. Mm-hmm. And sort of packaging this, I also have the privilege of working with the chaplains of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association Rapid Response Team, seeing the chaplains come along behind the work that we've done and just it builds a platform to sit down with these folks and uh, just it opens the door for the grief they were already going through, the crisis that people have in their mm-hmm. life. When the storms hit, uh, we always call the church partners and say, hey, can we come alongside of you and help you during this time of need? And um, they're always opening their doors. God has always sent us to a, a, a good church that's willing to go out and, and do the follow-up and you know, just be involved in kingdom building in their community. Mm-hmm. Um, law enforcement background, I love working with FEMA. I mean, we are blessed, and many countries do not have a FEMA. Mm-hmm. You may not get enough money to replace your home, but $34,000 goes a little bit further than no money at all. But when we go into these communities— we want to show it's the church is that first responder. Mm-hmm. I appreciate Franklin has um, always been faithful to say, I do not want anyone to be confused on who we work for. So that's why every large tractor trailer, every orange T-shirt our volunteers will wear has helping in Jesus' name on it. We do not want anyone to be confused on who we represent mm-hmm. and why we do what we mm-hmm. do. There are greater humanitarian organizations that do disaster relief, but our work comes with that message. When we go into a community, partner with a church that offers us that reliability, the credibility, and accountability to go into the community and represent who we are. Mm-hmm. I love how you shared all that. Um, and I love the way that God uses your gifts, talents, and abilities, and yeah, your time in law enforcement to use you for this current role. And you didn't even know this current role existed when you first came. So no. I love hearing that. I knew most of that, but— um, it's, it's just evolved into, mm-hmm. um, you know, from my past— Everybody says, what's your spiritual gift? I love helping people, Mm -hmm. you know, and through that and being a volunteer fireman and just embedded in the community, I love this area. Mm -hmm. I love traveling, but when you come home, uh, there's no place I'd rather live than in Boone. Mm -hmm. So can you talk to me about um, North American Ministries and what you've talked about the disaster response, but what does North American Ministries now encompass? North American Ministries now, it just keeps growing into a larger program that— when we used to, uh, for five years, I was the only employee. Hmm. So I became very dependent on volunteers and the volunteers that would go out with us and serve long-term and just provide the labor. So it has let us um, just take our program, and now God has sent some really remarkable people on our team. We have about 62 staff members that help, 
And when a truck goes out, it has four people that go with it. And they're the leaders. They're the ones that are on the front ground making decisions and just uh, trying to reach out to the folks. And it's a balancing act. You have homeowners ready for help, Mm -hmm. and you have volunteers ready to help. In a a way, we just see how God blends it together. And it balances out because the little lady, she can be a 93-year-old widow. She could care less who you represent. Help me. Mm -hmm. I need help to get back in my home. So that's where time is of the essence. And Franklin has always said, we need to be there before CNN finds out about it. That's a pretty quick mm-hmm. uh, response. But to see this program grow, I think God has continued to allow it to grow because we're staying faithful to the call that He's got us to do. And it is true. We are not a church, but we are an evangelical Christian relief organization. And part of our mandate is to minister to people in a time of disaster, support the church worldwide. And it's to do it all in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned that Franklin likes to get in first, you know, because that is when the need's the greatest, you know, when people right. are reeling and not knowing where they're going. How do you guys know when and, and how to get involved? We have a lot of people that are addicted to the Weather Channel, <laughs> news channels, a lot of apps on your phones. But as we always call it, the Lighthouse Church, the Lighthouse Church is not just a church that says, come and use our building. We want these churches to be mm. proactive, to reach out to this. Uh, you know, the other day we had a storm, and um, emergency management did a dashboard assessment. I mean, that's a fast and furious. You're riding through the neighborhoods and trying to get the numbers. They estimated 500 homes. It turned out it was just a little over 100 actually were flooded. But we want the church members to reach out to mm-hmm. us, call us as quickly as they can, because usually they can get a call out easier than we can get a call in if there's been damage to the cell towers or whatever, and tell us what do they see. And they're our first responders. They're the mm-hmm. ones, they're their eyes on the ground for us and tell us what they're seeing, and it just helps us justify. When we respond, we can be invited by the government, we mm-hmm. can be invited by the emergency managers, but when the church asks us to come help, that's who we want to support. That's part of our mission statement. So we go out, and uh, we will see how the physical needs are, how we can meet them, and sometimes it turns in we're even able to stay longer and repair homes and rebuild homes. Uh, many of our projects we have going on right now are rebuilds. So mm-hmm. it's whole, the whole parable of the Samaritan, he met so many needs, uh, medical, transportation, financial, and uh, just the follow-up is I'll come back and check on him and I'll pay whatever's left. Mm-hmm. There's some widows and people that fall through the cracks that we're allowed to go minister to and just it continues to build that relationship uh, Again, you see the 93-year-old widow being offered a small business administration loan, and she looks at me and says, how do I pay a mortgage mm-hmm. when she's on a $1,200 a month fixed income? Mm-hmm. And anyone we help, we don't want to sink them. We want to make them successful. So can they pay their insurance? Can they pay their taxes? Can they pay the utility bill? Mm-hmm. So that we're not causing them any problems. Mm-hmm. So we're really reaching out to people that are below that category. Hmm. And we've had builders stop say, hey, you're taking money out of my pocket for feeding my family. And you have to ask them, are you willing to work for this person for free? And they say, no, I can't do that. We are. Everything we do is a free gift. And God has blessed us. Uh, Our donors have been faithful to support us and provide every resource. And in the 24 years I've been here, I've never reached to the bottom of that little leather pouch that maybe the Samaritan would have had, and there's not a coin there to do the work he's called us to do. Hmm. Hmm. 
Um, and talking to that, we've talked a lot about Bob Pierce's principle, the God room, you know, and I'm sure you have many stories like that where you said yes to something, leaving room for God, and you didn't have that money, that those volunteers, those people. Can you talk about a story or a time where the Lord came through and supplied what you needed? Well, there have been the one little one-offs in every story. Every homeowner we have ministered to has their story. Mm-hmm. So Hurricane Harvey hit. It was one of the years Franklin had Decision America Texas tour coming up following that, and it just caused so much devastation. It was a wind event down on the Rockport coast and up toward Victoria, and then the storm stalled out over Houston, and you had 56 inches of rain in a 48-hour period, so it became a lake. And our donors, I mean, we set up in five different locations. Our donors are not only financial givers. They're the sweat equity folks that come out and give their time and talent to help us clean out homes. And we were running five different sites at that time. And Franklin Graham, he sets God-sized goals, which Mm -hmm. we like that. And he said, I want to see 1,000 families back into their home. We celebrated the 1,007th family being able to get back into their home. And I said, that is God room where we see him set a goal, and it's like we're sitting there. There is no way we will make that goal. And you look, God has taken us there, and now we have climbed above that mark, but we still have more homeowners to go. Mm-hmm. And it, is just, it, it never gets old going to see people get help. And, you know, as we circle with them after the end of the program, pray with them, present them with a Bible, signed by the volunteers with favorite verses, words of encouragement, it just uh, it doesn't get old, but then a year or two later, you may hear from that homeowner saying, I hit another storm in life. I lost my partner. You know, I lost my job. I've got cancer, different things. But I started reading those encouraging words from the volunteers, mm-hmm. and it steered me back. And there was another guy that was, um, he was very addicted to alcohol, and the bottle was very important to him. So he called one day. Uh, it was about a year later saying his health had deteriorated. He's going to have to move in with his son. He said, so I only had room to move one thing with him. And he said, you probably think it's my bottle. Hmm. He said, it was the Bible they gave me. I left the bottle behind. So how God can remove an addiction and take them away from that, it's just hmm. we think we can see how God's going to operate. No, it's God is operating, and he is using us for his kingdom and his purposes, and it's all for his good. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the Bible that they're given when, they, when you rebuild the home or when you work on their home. They give a, a Bible. The, the every, staff, the every homeowner, sign, every homeowner gets that Bible. I love that. And but most of the times, the ones that really tear you up to have to throw away the Bible is after the water gets over mm-hmm. your uh, toilet in your home, everything back siphons, mm-hmm. and a lot of times these homes are flooded. It's not just mud water; it's sewage mm-hmm. and different things. And you see how some of the Bibles are just frail and frattered, and you know they've been marked through and different things, and you have to throw that away. But to give them a clean copy of God's Word to reinforce to them, there will be storms in life, but through these storms, God's going to be with you every step of the way. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Fran kind of started disaster response. I know Katrina really changed the trajectory. Can you talk to me about how things have changed um, even in the last couple years? It's the wow moments, as mm-hmm. we see. Uh, so in 2004, we were busy uh, with two tractor trailers and Hurricane Charlie, Francis, Jean, and Ivan in Florida. Mm-hmm. And an individual donor stepped up and said, I'm making a $4 million gift for disaster relief. Hmm. And we're sitting there going, what are we going to do with that much money? And they designated $2 million to help people get back into their homes. We did not have a rebuilding program, so we were going to organizations that were building 
and managing grants to them to let them do the rebuilds. But that donor wanted one million in blue plastic. And if you've been to our warehouse now, we have 6,000 rolls of blue plastic that became, I call it the perpetual amount of plastic that it just seems to always get stocked back to that number, ready to go when a moment notice comes in on a major storm. And the other million, they said, we want to buy you two more tractor trailers, fully equipped. I'm like, okay, we got two, now we're going to four. How do we do that? And Mm -hmm. this is God saying, I'm going to double your fleet. Mm -hmm. But God knew in 2005, Hurricane Katrina was coming. So you were already prepped. So the trailers were coming in. The last one was coming in when um, many people in Texas felt they got sort of cheated. Katrina did massive damage between Shreveport and Mobile, and Franklin Graham had an event lined up in both of those towns. Mm -hmm. And everybody says, well, is the storms chasing him around? No, that's how God used it, because Mm -hmm. a year before, the Billy Graham folks had already been working with church partners. So when Katrina hits, you just reach out to those church partners, and as Pastor Joe Johnson said in Mobile, Alabama, Franklin, it's not because of you they're coming to hear you here tonight. It's because of all your people that were up on these roofs putting blue plastic down on people's homes that were destroyed. Right. So it just, that physical work earns us again that privilege. Mm -hmm. But, um, and that's where I appreciate Franklin sending us there, getting there quick, getting established, and being truthful to the families and helping them out. But with Katrina, we were there five years and three months. We had over 13,000 volunteers come out to help us. And it just from that point, it's just showing God saying, all right, the playing field's getting bigger. I want to equip you with more. The staff was growing. All the other equipment, shower trailers, kitchen trailers, generators, skid steer loaders, different things. I remember in the early days, Will Graham and I would go out and uh, we would cut firewood and uh, at these tornadoes and firewood length, and we had to put it in wheelbarrows and roll it. And we kept saying, can we please have a skid steer? And I just keep rolling it in wheelbarrows. <laughs> but now we have a fleet of skid steer loaders and the volunteers that know how to use the equipment properly and operate it, and they come and they just, um, it's a fellowship. It's a, a group mm-hmm. of men and women that they uh, pick up on the same story they were telling when they come back together. So as they come out every year, a lot of folks, one volunteer, he served 128 days last year. Wow. And that's a lot of time as a volunteer to give of his um, time. He could be playing golf or fishing mm-hmm. or going hunting or doing whatever. But in Katrina, we had these people that really started seeing things. So we started developing a more of a training program, mm-hmm. equipping them to be safer and doing the work that God's called them to do. So we just have continued to grow from that point on. And um, it's it's hard to explain, but when... It's God room. It's mm-hmm. when we say, all right, we're going to buy another trailer, and uh, we had an annuity come forth, and we were ordered a fifth trailer. And then another guy comes out from Tennessee says, hey, I have another trailer I want to give you. Mm-hmm. So that became six. And now we've had two donors uh, that had just the last two trailers, seven and eight, that um, they just felt led each individually to buy the trailer for us. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's a gift that I think God is going to bless them. That's a sacrificial gift. So it takes everything. It takes the equipment. It takes the funds to, to do this work. But the most important resource, it takes the volunteers that are willing to be the hands and feet mm-hmm. and use it. And so we have these eight units. Um, how many are in Wilkesboro? How many in Dallas? We have five staged in North okay. Wilkesboro, which we're an old Coca-Cola bottling plant that was given to mm-hmm. us. I mean, you could not ask for a better building. Wow. Uh, 
Uh, we love Boone, but uh, the weather, as you know, can be uh, mm-hmm. snowy and icy up here. But in Wilkes, mm-hmm. we're 20 minutes from Interstate 77, and we can launch. Mm-hmm. So uh, the past year, we built uh, two ministry centers that uh, have been. One was acquired of an old building in California in Fullerton. We have uh, one tractor trailer and some support equipment there. Uh, now the new ministry center in uh, Texas at the end of the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, runways in Capel, Texas, we have two of everything, hmm. two disaster relief trailers, two Billy Graham mobile ministry centers, showers, kitchens, bunkhouses, everything needed to launch from there. So it, it, it's just God is equipping us to get um, to these storms quicker. Um, we always had the fear, the Mississippi River. Uh, a lot of people don't remember years ago, it was before any of us were born, there was an actual earthquake where the Mississippi stopped flowing south into the Gulf and turned and, flew, and flowed north. And a lake was um, built out of that. But the New Madrid earthquake, people always talk about that. If that ever happens, every bridge over the Mississippi would wow. collapse. And I said, you know, we hope and pray that never happens. We hope and pray the earthquakes in California don't happen either. But God has now, he's, he's spread our equipment out. You know, I always had a fear. If you lose, if the building burnt in Wilkes, you would lose all your resources. Now he's got our stuff staged in different locations. But it's letting volunteers in these areas get more involved with us. So every time we go to a storm, how do you show love, compassion, and sympathy for those that are affected and lose loved ones, but you just want to keep ministering in Jesus' name? You know, you see that love and compassion, it's just mobile. It's the mobile church. We've got to get outside the walls. We've got to wake up the church and say, come on. You know, it's um, Warren Wiersbe. Uh, his definition of missions is, you know, when divine resources meet human needs for the glory of Christ. And I love to see how that works together, but that's who we are. Let's go wake the church up, get them outside the walls and see there's a whole world out there of people that are hurting, that need to know how much God loves them and the message is Mm -hmm. pure and clear. And, you know, we get these folks, uh, the churches that we partner with are willing to follow up for one year with these families we minister to, to be there, to be available, to pray with them, to support them and help them just transition in. You don't just snap your fingers and say, all right, your house is cleaned, it's rebuilt, and you're back to normal. There's still grief. There's still triggers. I mean, when the wind blows, you see people, their fear gets up. When the water starts getting up in their yard again, I mean, different things happen. So Mm -hmm. just be the church. Show Mm -hmm. love and compassion. As Samaritan's Purse will leave, the church will be here afterwards and for aftercare. Um, So these people can then get plugged into the local, you know, where they'll be and continue to live. Loved and supported and— and minister to. You know, one of the best examples of that partnership between Operation Christmas Child and our disaster relief is uh, Pastor Mark Brumbelow down in mm-hmm. Wild Peach. Mm-hmm. You know, during Hurricane Harvey, Pastor yes. Brumbelow's home, mm-hmm. uh, several of his members' homes were flooded. And um, that was the year Operation Christmas Child raised the shipping on the shoe boxes. The cost went up, and they were a little short on that. And I mean, the boxes that they put together are phenomenal, over 11,000 this past year. And he took his FEMA check from his home and used it for the supplement for the housing or for the shoe boxes. So when Franklin Graham heard that, he said, "Go fix his house back." I didn't know that. And we went down and we prepared, repaired his home and just is God. I mean, that's just how someone gives to us, and then we are able to bless them and give back to them. It's just that's it. Just sees God sees the big mm-hmm. picture, mm-hmm. and I love he how He heart. lets us uh, just be a witness to these things. 
Wow, I didn't know that. That's an amazing story. And their church is little. I mean, what? Well, it's a mega church Under, now. They went to 52 members. They yes, added two but more I mean, to, to tell our audience, I mean, 52 members to do 11,000 boxes. I mean, that is sold out faith. In the but way. when you get around him, his love for Christ, it just it radiates through him and his wife, Sherry, and it just— um, Wow. It's so real. But their church, they've already started the boxes for next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, uh, I thank the Lord for that. And uh, we had him speaking at an event where we had some mega church pastors there. And one of the pastors looked at me and said, we need that in our church. I mm-hmm. said, it can happen. Mm-hmm. You know, so if he's a catalyst to these big churches, praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. All he wants, it's like the fish and the loaves. You know, he doesn't need a lot. That's right. He can do he it. Can but we just have to be willing to give it up. Mm-hmm. So can you talk to me? I know what you do. I know your schedule. It's exhausting. You're all over the place. And then to be ministering to people like this is gutting. You know, it just really takes a lot out of you. Mm-hmm. How do you keep your stamina? How do you maintain it? And and how well, does the Lord equip you? It's just one of the things. Um, where does my strength come from? It comes from the Lord. Yes. I mean, um, four or five hours sleep every night, you're still able to function and keep going. I mean, on storm mode, they're long days. Mm-hmm. And I applaud the team that God is surrounding us with. They're the ones sleeping on the cots uh, the long 23-hour days sometimes when you're getting set up. And mm-hmm. I mean, but they're willing to um, give up the comfort of their home and go out. And you watch how God does protect them, does provide for them. But you've got to keep your spiritual tanks full. And that's the thing. We can travel, but you've got to have your time with God. I mean, mm-hmm. I think our best time is about 4 in the morning when I wake up, and it's, that's time to start having a conversation with Him and laying all the challenges, all the opportunities and struggles we have at His feet and say, what does He ask us to do? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. Read a little further down. The best part of that is, but when you don't know how to pray, pray for wisdom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the enemy is after us. We are a target for the enemy because mm-hmm. he is not happy with what we're doing. But we know God will see us through. And as mm-hmm. we put the full armor on each and every day out of Ephesians 6 to go out to battle, um, know that uh, we aren't in battle by ourselves. we got a great group of folks that are arm in arm with us, but God is right there with us too. And I'm, I'm sure there's many because, you know, the, the Scripture is alive and active. You know, it is sharper than to any two-edged sword. Um, it can penetrate. Anything you read can penetrate. But is there something that you cling to or come back to time and time again when you're encouraging always, uh, someone? Well, always, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. But for a homeowner's perspective, Psalm 41, uh, verse 1, just, you know, mm-hmm. they cried out to the Lord. He hears their cry. He plucks them out of the muck and the mire. He mm. sets their feet on solid ground. And they will praise the Lord because of that. But he sends us to be his hands and feet to help pull them out of that mud. But the favorite verse for disaster relief is Galatians 6 2. Mm-hmm. To carry someone else's, to help carry that burden with them and fulfill the law of Christ. You know, we read the Bible and it's so many times I feel it's getting made diluted and lukewarm. But God's Word, it says, fulfill the law of Christ. He's telling us to carry the burden. He's telling us to go and be a neighbor. And who is my neighbor? You're supposed to go and do likewise. Go is not a, a asking word. It's a command. Mm-hmm. You know, we're supposed to go and share the gospel, the Great Commission. And we're supposed to go and be His witnesses. So, I mean, there's there's not a lot in the Bible I see that tells us we can just lay back. You can rest on the Sabbath, but... Uh, a lot of times in these storms, it's like the ox is in the ditch, and you've got to show them the church can. You can fellowship and worship the Lord in the morning, get uh, prayed up and ready for what the afternoon holds, but then go out and show them who the church can be in the afternoons on mm-hmm. these storms. 
Mm-hmm. But that's, um, I just think as long as we're carrying the burdens because the people we're working for are those people that can't do this themselves. So it's, um, it's our privilege to be alongside of them and help them through that. It's the single mom. It's the elderly. It's the handicapped. It's the people that have no support to be able to do this. So God is good. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed hearing Luther's heart and uh, just the way that God has grown this ministry of North America Ministries. And so I just wanted to give a couple updates from the ministry. U.S. Disaster Relief is working all over the country. Samaritan's Purse is currently working um, to to respond to a wildfire in New Mexico. We also have teams that are rebuilding homes in Kentucky and Louisiana. And we just wrapped up a response in South Dakota. Teams of volunteers helped nearly 100 families recovering from a devastating storm. And one family that was ministered to, I just want to share a a homeowner story. We get daily reports from each of the sites. And one of the ministry reports the other day shared about a man in South Dakota. A team had been working on his home, and they, they they gave him a Bible. As Luther talked about, we give each homeowner a Bible that is signed by each of the team members, and they're prayed over, and any questions can be answered. And so the team prayed with him that day, and he had so many questions. He had apparently been wrestling with eternal matters for a while. And so the team being there was just a divine appointment. And so they answered a lot of questions throughout the week, and this man actually prayed to receive Christ. At 83 years old, this man placed his hope and trust in Jesus Christ. And I just, it just touches me every time to think this 83-year-old man had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, he heard a lot about God. He knew about uh, spiritual matters, but he didn't know um, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that was shared with him, and he surrendered it to the Lord. And so I just want to give three prayer requests that Luther gave and one is about this. It's praying for our volunteers that's, that faithfully serve and that God would give them divine appointments like this man to minister to while they're hurting and physically, but more importantly, to share the hope of Jesus Christ. And so, and the second thing is to pray for our North American ministry staff and families. You know, they deploy on a moment's notice whenever a storm hits and they're apart for many days throughout the year. So pray for them. And then finally, that that we'll be good stewards of every gift that we're entrusted with. And as I mentioned earlier, and that we'll share the gospel and be faithful um, with the most important gift as they share with the homeowners. Another project that Luther oversees is Operation Heal Our Patriots. This is the ministry in Alaska for our wounded veterans. And it has already begun from May to October We bring military and law enforcement couples to Alaska for a marriage retreat and spiritual encouragement. So be praying for these couples as they come and be praying for our staff as they have the opportunity to love on and minister to them. And all throughout the work in North America Ministries, the gospel is being shared. In their storm of life, their distress and heartache, hope is being offered. I love Psalm 107. 13 that says, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and gloom and broke their chains apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love. And I just ask, are are you feeling um, distressed? Do you feel like you're in chains? You know, maybe a a natural disaster hasn't come through your, your home, but maybe a spiritual disaster has or a personal crisis, you are, you are struggling and you are distressed. 
And I just want to share with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the reason, as I mentioned, that we serve physical needs all over the world. The truth is we all have a spiritual need. We're all sinners living in a fallen, broken world, and we are all separated from God due to our sin. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And John 3.16 reminds us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And this is the greatest gift. This is the hope. No matter what your circumstances are like, we have hope in Jesus. And I just ask, have you ever made this decision for Christ? Have you ever acknowledged that you're a sinner, unable to save yourself? John 14, 6 says, Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so works won't save you. Only the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that is why God loved us so much. He sent his son to pay that debt that we all have. And Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And verse 13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you to call on the name of the Lord. Um, you know, no matter what our circumstances are like, we have hope in Jesus. And I hope and pray that you find this uh, true to yourself. And so we thank you so much for joining us. If you have any questions or you want to get in touch with us, I encourage you to go to our, our Instagram at OnTheGroundSP. We would love to talk with you and, and point you in the right direction to get you discipleship and encouragement and prayer. Thank you again for joining us and God bless you.